0: This week, the rocky coastline, the tide pools, and yes, the rainforest of Olympic National Park, plus listener questions and a whole lot more. This is RV Miles. This summer, LL Bean wants to help you feel great out there with gear, tips, and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. One easy addition you can make to your camping and hiking wardrobe to help keep you cool is a bandana. This headwear hero will keep sweat out of your eyes, bugs out of your hair, and sun off your neck. And you can even dip it into water and then put it under your hat or around your neck to keep you cool. A hot weather must have. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode number 281 of RV Miles. I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to travel destinations, our national parks, and so much more.
0: Uh, We're excited to talk to you about Olympic this week. We had a blast. It is a huge park, and we only experienced a small amount of it. There was a whole lot going on there. Uh, We've got some listener questions. We've got our fresh tank, black tank, as always. But first, we are coming to you from Canada on our way up to Alaska. uh, We are at a free city park, which we have found to be kind of numerous.
1: Yeah, I think it's really worth pointing out just how friendly and accommodating Canada towns, village ships have been towards our RVers making their way towards Alaska. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just been so lovely. We are now on day, I think this is five or six, of officially leaving Fort Langley and making our way towards Alaska. We have yet to pay for a campground.
0: But the warnings people gave us about mosquitoes. You know, we thought we grew up in the Midwest. We've been on the road for over six years. We've spent springs in the South.
1: And we were like, sure, we got this. It's fine.
0: Wow. The mosquitoes are bad.
1: Yeah. In the (laughs) words of Joey Lawrence, whoa, Whoa. I'm watching them buzz around us (laughs) right now. Now, for some mosquitoes, Not a big deal. For whatever reason, our family, especially Jason and the boys, are really plagued by them to the point where they almost become sick if they have too many bites. Mm -hmm. And so we've really had to be mindful about keeping doors closed and not exiting the rig unless you absolutely have to. We've been making some investment in listener-suggested, Bug sprays and even going so far as trying to pick out some clothes that are going to be a little bit more appropriate, staying covered as much as we can despite the temperature. yeah
0: these these ones all seem to be very small mosquitoes mm-hmm. their bites definitely strong, uh, but their size is is it's small so they tend to not be able to get through clothing I'm finding
1: yes so So
0: as much as you could be wrist to ankles covered but then they're getting your face and neck
1: but of course we would really love to know if you have any further suggestions for us or if you have done this and how you kind of managed the mosquitoes because also what i keep hearing from people is oh you think it's bad in canada now wait till you get to alaska and i keep thinking guys Stop selling me on Alaska, okay? The way you keep talking to me about how miserable I'm going to be, I, I well, don't know why I'm going up there. Know, there are so many
0: people are like, oh, you know, Alaska says mosquito is mosquitoes are their state bird, and yeah. we've heard many states say that. Louisiana <laughs> says that, Florida <laughs> says that, Alabama says that. Yeah,
1: someone said, wait till you see like the biting flies when you get up here, or. Yeah whoa, and there we go. So, you know, again, it's just all part of the adventure. And this, this little fella here wants to be on the show, so I think yeah. this mosquito is going to hang around for a bit. But anyway, moving on. We've got so much to cover. This is a jam-packed episode. Honey, oh, I just- missed him. Like ninjas. Over we there.
0: are also camped right next to a lumber mill, mm. uh, so you might hear some noises from that. It's actually it's actually really kind of cool, and uh, it doesn't run all night, so that's a good thing. Mm. So you might hear some of that in the background a little bit. But we wanted to kick off the show this week with a few listener questions. Um, these are just various things that from the RV Miles Facebook group or elsewhere. The first one is about traveling with your water tank full, or how much water you should consider carrying in your water tank and unfortunately this question comes up a lot because there's not a really good definitive answer a lot of the manufacturers want to be a little bit coy about whether you should travel with water in your tank in fact we we did a story a few months ago about somebody who had their freshwater tank fall out and a manufacturer denied a warranty claim on it because they said you're not supposed to travel with water in your tanks, to which many people said, well, what are tanks for then?
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) On top of the fact that you also regularly advertise the size of these freshwater tanks, the size of your cargo carrying capacity, that these are supposed to be off-grid RVs for boondocking and dry camping. And all of that, when you start talking to people about this is a great rig for boondocking and dry camping, that becomes a conversation of, I will need to travel with fresh water. If I am going boondocking, if I am heading out to BLM land, there's no water there. I have to take water with me. And then the water that goes with me has to come back with me, right?
0: Yeah, you've got you've got to whether it's coming back with you in the freshwater tank or moving to one of your wastewater tanks, you've got to take right. it somewhere to dump it.
1: So those tanks have to be able to carry the weight, full capacity weight of whatever you tell me that tank capacity yeah, is. So if I have a thirty gallon black tank, I need to be able to transport my rig, yeah, with a full thirty gallon fresh tank, gray tank, black tank, whatever, and not worry, it's going to fall out on the highway.
0: And you can't say it's for short distances only either because- you What's sh- a short distance? Right, and usually the worst abuse that your RV is taking is the the last bit, especially if you're boondocking, where you might Mm -hmm. be going over a washboard road or something like that. I guess my way of answering this question is, first and foremost, is that you need to know your weights, your cargo capacity, uh, how much weight you have on board. You need to be using the scales to make sure that you know how much space that you have available for water weight. Water is very heavy, eight pounds plus per gallon. I think it's 8.3 pounds per gallon. So that adds up quickly and you need to make sure that you have the cargo carrying capacity room to have a full tank of water. Second, though, is I think this is one of those situations where it's really helpful to be a member of like a Facebook group or an online forum that is about your specific RV. Mm -hmm. Because then you can see if people have had problems with their tanks falling out before, because it really comes down to how that manufacturer puts that tank in some of them are in between the frame rails or even above the frame rails and are really never going to go anywhere some of them are strapped in with thin straps and screwed in with a self-tapping screw and that's all you got and some it's different for the black and gray tank as it is for the fresh tank i think i tend to think at least that the freshwater tanks are usually a little bit better secured just in general on a whole uh, then the gray and black water tanks, although in a lot of rigs, they're just kind of all done the mm-hmm. same exact way. So it, it really quite depends a bit. So but I think this is a, a, a just a scenario where it's best to see if other people have had a problem with this.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no just one answer to yeah. this because every rig is different. And not every rig by, is different by different manufacturers, The same two rigs from the same manufacturer with the same specs can be sitting side by side and they are going to be different. Yeah, they're going to be different.
0: I will say I've rarely heard of anybody having sort of like the tank falling out problem uh, with like a large class A motor home. Um, it's yeah. almost always a, a trailer issue, but it happens on some of the best quality brand trailers, too. So
1: Yeah, I don't think that just because it's, uh, you know, your $130,000 fifth wheel that it's not going in, to happen.
0: In fact, Jamie and Clay, who are right next to us right here, have had a black tank issue with their Airstream. The connection between the black tank and the pipe came apart, and they had black tank in their pasture bay in the back. That was rough. Yeah, so uh, I I wish we had a better answer to that question, but we travel with full water now in the Ibex. We were much more careful with it in the Pioneer. Um, We did sort of half tanks often in the Sabre. And um, yeah, it just depends. It's also going to affect the way your RV drives. So, you know, do it once and take that into consideration.
1: Yeah, and some people actually say that their rig performs better when they have the weight Of full fresh water. Yeah, it kind of
0: depends where that tank is and stuff. It's a
1: lot to take into consideration. So, just again, it's your rig. You're going to kind of have to figure that out and feel it out. And you should really, if you should weigh it, I I think we need to talk about that too. Like, go and have your rig weighed without fresh water in it, fully loaded up, ready to go. Go get it weighed. And then, if you have that space, go fill it up. But then I would say go weigh it again. Yeah, yeah. Just make sure that everything is okay because, again... You don't want to also be overweight because you're now putting unnecessary pressure in places that are not designed to carry that much weight for long distances.
0: Yeah. And if you want to get a more accurate gauge of how much water you are putting in, you say you don't want to fill it full, you only want to put a certain amount in, you can get something that attaches to the end of the hose and tells you how many gallons that you have put in. And we're going to talk a lot more about that kind of stuff, about tanks and about...
1: We're going to talk about sensors. About how you measure
0: how much is in a tank (laughs) in our detour episode for Mile Marker Plus members after this show. So if you are a Mile Marker Plus member, look for that in your feed. If you are not, please consider joining at $7 a month and you get our weekly detour podcast and our monthly U-Turn podcast where we revisit a past episode. (laughs) Two more quick questions. One is about converting a 30-amp RV to a 50 50 amp RV. This question was uh, centered around the fact that they full-time in Texas and deal with very hot temperatures mm-hmm. in the summer, and are in a 30 amp RV. And often the hot, hot heat, when that air conditioner is running heavily, is tripping their breaker and shutting things down. And they're wondering if they can convert to a 50 amp electrical system in the RV that they already have.
1: This might be the first time I've ever heard this question.
0: Asked. Yeah. And a- I'm
1: kind of like, huh?
0: It's it's, uh, it's certainly possible, and I have seen people do it. It depends a lot on how your rig was wired in the first place as to how hard it's going to be. So what has to yeah. happen is your whole, uh, your whole distribution panel, which is where your breakers and fuses are, is going to be replaced, which sounds really hard, but it's actually not that big of a deal. Any electrician can do that fairly easily. The hard part is going to be uh, how far away your actual electrical inlet where you plug your power cable into on the outside is from that distribution box and where that cable has to run through your rv if they're very close super easy or if it's all underneath and you're just removing the simple uh plastic body paneling underneath super easy uh if it's running through the walls it might be a little bit more difficult stuff like that so it's going to depend a lot on your rv but I say it might not be the best solution to your problem because uh, it it'll solve your problem uh, ostensibly because you will then be able to have um, more amperage available to you. But if your if your breakers are tripping because your air conditioner is working very hard in the summer, if you if you convert to fifty amp, you could add a second air conditioner. But that's a whole different thing. I mean, there are some RVs that are pre-wired for a second air conditioner and meant to be able to add one easily but usually those are already 50 amp so it might solve your problem but an easier way to solve your problem is probably going to be to put a soft start on your air conditioner which which reduces that big high draw that it uses in the first place. Because that's really what ends up tripping things is when that motor kicks on, it gets a high draw instantly and then it drops down and runs normally. A soft start is a device that you can wire into your air conditioner. And uh, again, any electrician can do it or any HVAC person would be able to do it for you. And it helps with that problem. They also make one now that you just plug into the pedestal at the park and you can use it like like you would a surge protector. Another option is getting uh, something like the Hughes auto former and we have one of those because what often happens in the summer when all the RVs are running their air conditioners at the same time in the park is the voltage in the park comes down and that makes it harder for your you to get the full amperage that you should be getting available to you and the auto former is a device that, that that sort of boosts your the voltage back up for you and um we have had to use it many times in parks and usually in the summer where it's very hot in order to be able to run the air conditioner on 30 amp they're expensive uh, but if you're full-time in a park that's having problems all the time that might be the best way to go because it's still going to be way cheaper than rewiring your rv as a 50 amp
1: so you talked about several different products just now so i'm gonna have you link to the ones that you recommend in the show notes, which you can find at rvmiles.com slash 281 so that people can check them out for themselves. And then we will also make sure to put them in the RV Miles store on Amazon. So if any of these are on Amazon, you'll be able to find them there. And that's just amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles. All right, we have one more questions. Final question and is... And then we're going to
0: move on. ...is about diesel in California. A little bit of confusion. Uh, pulling up to the pumps for the first time in California. Because in California, things are often different. <laughs> and they don't sell the regular standard EPA diesel fuel in California. There's the carb-compliant diesel fuel that they sell in California. So there's some questions over like what diesel fuel your vehicle can take because you know uh, there are now these biodiesel blends where up to 20% of the fuel is biodiesel and some engine manufacturers say you can do up to B10 uh, or even B5 and you'll be fine but now a lot of places uh, B20 is becoming more and more common at pumps Mm -hmm. where you might have an engine where your, your manual says you shouldn't be using B20 um, but the question stems from the fact that when you go to California, you're going to see some stuff called R99 or R100, <laughs> and you start seeing it in other states too. It's in Washington now, I believe. And um, but uh, what this is is a little bit different. This is renewable diesel, and it's made in refineries. It is an actual equivalent to diesel. And it's often cheaper to get if you're in California. Uh, and it it from what I understand there are really no issues with using it uh, as a full replacement for regular diesel where the bio blends you can only go up to 20 percent it's basically 20 percent biofuel blended with regular diesel that's because that's all the engine and the emission system in the truck or the the motorhome can handle the renewable diesel should not be a problem whatsoever. And the reason that it's, it's not just a California thing, the reason it is so common in California is California gives huge tax breaks for people to use it. Mm-hmm. So it is it, it ends up being a little bit more affordable. Now, I am no expert at all on California fuels, uh, or on diesel. Uh, but that's what I know. So (laughs) learn more about it if you want. But, but, um, I, my understanding is that we're going to start seeing a lot more of this renewable diesel out there, which is made fully from bioproducts. It is more expensive to manufacture. So sometimes you might see it more expensive where there aren't tax breaks, but that's why you see it in California is because California pays for, for it to be used at at a cheaper rate.
1: So renewable diesel. Yeah. Coming to a Florida near you.
0: Maybe. (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about Olympic National Park.
1: Got you on that one. (laughs) Be
0: right back. The team at Harvest Host has just launched a great new campground discount program called Campers Card. For just $39 a year, you'll receive benefits such as early check-in, late check-out, and discounts on nightly camping fees, which will quickly offset the membership cost. Get 15% off your first year of membership with the code MILES, that's M-I-L-E-S. But if you're a current Harvest Host or Boondockers Welcome member, you get an even better deal, 25% off your first year of membership. What are you waiting for? Go to camperscard.com to join Campers Card today. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes, a full line of weight distributing hitches, adjustable ball mounts, and a new line of fifth wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit BlueOx.com. We are back, and it's time to talk about Olympic National Park.
1: So, thanks a lot there, Jason, Uh, for those of you who are watching uh, yes, I was. Dancing. You were dancing, so um, I, I. For those of you not, made sure
0: to jump right yes, in. Yes,
1: I was dancing, and that's because Jason decided to lead us back in with the Price is Right yeah. theme. Yeah.
0: I was in the Price is Right thing in the boy, commercial brig. And I was, didn't know you knew what it was, what I was doing, but you did. Of course. You got it.
1: Price is Right. Are well, you serious? You know, I was, I, you know. Come on down. I used to be like, man, if I got down on Contestant Road. That
0: was an hour of my every day in the oh, summer. Oh, dang. My you grandpa know, was on it.
1: Well, you know, Jenny and her sister went. You no. Know. Yes. They took a trip, and the trip was one of the big things on that trip was to. Go to the prices right. They did not get on.
0: Yeah. But when your I was grandfather in, did. When I was in LA last by myself, I was staying at a hotel that was right by Studio City and I kind of saw the line of people <laughs> waiting to get in and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, my grandpa was on, I don't know, like early nineties, late eighties, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he got he got up on contestant row, but he was like the last or second to last one to go up. So he only got to bid on I think only one item. It might have been two items but the the one I remember was a sewing machine and he was like oh. uh, $1. <laughs> I was, I was I actually recently was looking for it to see if like that episode is online or something. There are like thousands of episodes of The Price is Right. You can't find like w- the episode you want to find online. That's not a thing. There's way too many episodes. It's been running for like 70 years. <laughs>
1: so it's like your grandfather has been on The Price is Right show. I was one to go on. Then my sister-in-law's uncle was on Supermarket Sweep, which if I could pick one game show in my life to go on supermarkets. I think supermarket Hands
0: sweep down. is the one that everyone is always like, I could do that better than they're doing it my on gosh, there. I, always like,
1: I have <laughs> a plan in and I want old school 80s and 90s supermarket sweep. Yeah, don't give me this new, new one, no, no, don't give me this new layout on the new one. I want the 90s supermarket sweep. I will wear one of the I will wear a 90s sweater and then I will zip through and I have my route, okay? Yeah. And I will not grab I will not grab the first bonus that I come to because they're always going to put the lowest bonus where, like, it's the most obvious. See, I I got a whole plan here.
0: I have a a plan for the price is right. And that plan has always been this. I I would literally sit and watch TV and, like, work this out is that basically you look at the item up for bid and, you know, come up mm -hmm. with you think what you think you would be paying for it at the at the store And you double that, and that's what they're going to tell you it costs.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. Did we just start our detour podcast? Is this what...
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, maybe we should should talk about Olympic National Park.
1: Uh, Maybe. I mean, you know, that's fine. (laughs) I'm sure everyone's here for our deep insights on game shows.
0: So Olympic National Park is a huge park in the upper left corner of the country, of course, in the state of Washington, uh, on the Olympic Peninsula. It is... uh, it is mountains, big mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is rainforest. It is American rainforest. And it's rocky, amazing coastline with tide pools and Ugh. out in the ocean are whales. And uh, there's starfish. There's all sorts of stuff. There's just
1: sea life everywhere, Jason.
0: Well, we did much of the western part of it. We did mm-hmm. the coastline and we did the rainforest is basically what it comes down to.
1: This was part of a very long stretch of travel for us that really never had us leaving the coast. Yeah, And, or very coast adjacent. Yeah. And that to me, this, that period of travel, and we're actually going to talk about probably one of the best camping spots we've ever stayed in on this episode, but yeah. That stretch for me was really some of the most just from start to finish, truest, happiest bits of camping I've done in years. I love the coast. Yes. I love the coast.
0: So we camped to this place called Allen's Bar, uh, which is.
1: It's not an RV <sighs> campground. Like it's there's no hookups there, so this is. Total dry camping. It's dry
0: camping along a river. Uh, if you watch the episode that we recorded from there, uh, it's a great view from there and everything. Uh, but you're you're parked essentially on the the bank of a river, and it's just serene views of the pine trees and the water rushing by. And uh, it's so
1: peaceful. And we really lucked out because we arrived on Mother's Day like early afternoon and we happened to just get the two really what seemed like the two kind of last spots where you could go parallel to the river and within about half an hour of us arriving several rigs started coming in and if we had been just a half hour later We would not have gotten those spots uh, because it's not very big. And there are spots that you can take that are not going to have like the river view like we had. And those are are delightful as well.
0: And I think this is like um, this isn't it's. You access this, like, through somebody's yard.
1: Yeah, so you should go over to Campendium, type in Alice Bar, read up on this. So what you do is it is $5 a day to be here, to camp on this land. And in order to access this area, you do have to drive down someone's private road. And they charge you $5 a day to drive down their private road. Cash
0: in a box. Yes. And then I think what you're actually camping on is public lands, but... It's their road to, to get to it, yes. but I'm not 100% so. sure. But this is like, it's a small place. There's room for like maybe seven or eight rigs total. So, you know, it might get kind of busy in the summer stuff. And this is one of the things that we've really enjoyed about. We, we always enjoy this, but like we're camping in a lot of these places a little bit ahead of this season. Mm-hmm. Not so much now on our way to Alaska, but we were camping a little bit ahead of the season, a lot throughout the Pacific Northwest. So there was lots of availability.
1: This is one of the best pieces of camping I have ever done. And it is just because there is something for me, so incredibly peaceful about being by the river. By a, a particular body, body of water that's, yeah. you know, not waves crashing all night long type of sound. That's lovely too. But there's just this this beautiful rolling of water over rocks that's constantly happening. And it reminded me so much of my childhood of going to the Buffalo National River growing up and falling asleep in the tent to those kinds of sounds I found it so incredibly soothing and I found it so soothing that I I felt even more focused during the day with work so Mm -hmm. we had our whole table and everything set up outside and we would come out in the morning and we would sit down and we would get work going and it was so quiet and all you had was the sound of the river and I found it so easy to focus throughout the day
0: yeah and it wasn't too far from civilization either it was about 15 minutes into the town of Forks and it was very close to some of the places that we wanted to visit in Olympic National Park and the first of those is the Ho Rainforest. So we drove into the Ho Rainforest it's a decent drive into the park and there's a visitor center there that was closed because it was early season it was only open on the weekends but we drove in and we did the Hall of Mosses Trail Mm -hmm. which is one of the coolest Things it's not an amazing trail by any means, like the actual physical trail itself, but it is what it says it is. It is moss, moss, moss everywhere. Yeah, it is moss hanging from trees, uh, moss growing up the sides of the trees, and all over the ground, and all sorts of really different cool mosses. And I just thought these were so cool.
1: I really enjoyed this too. It was one of those trails that's right off of the visitor center, so it's very accessible for all. And for me. You know, it's. I had been wanting to get here for a very, very long time. So just the Pacific Northwest overall, but Olympic National Park was a place I'd been really wanting to get to for so yeah. long. And this, what we're going to talk about here at the Ho Rainforest and Ruby Beach and Solduck, all of it, none of it, disappointed. It was just exactly what I wanted it to be. It was chill. The vibe is so relaxed like the environment just feels like you get into it and it's just like hey everything's okay
0: yeah i mean it's like crystal clear waters um we were even commenting as we were walking down the trail like the sounds of like the brook and springs and stuff sounded like they were fake sounded like they were piped in because it just didn't seem real
1: clear water just just everything Delightful, delightful. And, of course, it's us. So, we coupled that with bringing our dinner yeah. along with us. Yep. And right there at uh, the Ho Visitor Center, there's also a small campground. And this campground is no hookups. It is definitely, uh, I think you could maybe-ish get a bigger rig in. But medium
0: man, rig friendly. Medium, medium rig, rig friendly. friendly.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not really solar friendly, but... Um, but a lovely campground great access it, it, yeah we to would definitely stay
0: there if we were going back there we would give that a shot at least for uh-huh. a night or two cuz it was it was really convenient where it was and it's a beautiful spot to camp
1: yeah so we took advantage of all of the picnic tables that they have there that are kind of in between the campground and the visitor center and enjoyed a dinner and that what a beautiful way to finish out that night in the park. And then we came back to our perfect campground spot and it just it was delightful.
0: This was also the first place that we uh, really saw this, this thing we had learned about um, but hadn't seen in the wild nurse trees. Yes. And this is where like a, a tree falls and seeds start growing on top of it. And then as those trees grow, they continue to grow, the the log underneath from the tree that fell begins to decay and disappears. And what you're left with is these trees that have like an arch of roots over the ground and make a tunnel. And they're all in a straight line, which looks so weird because it doesn't look natural, Mm -hmm. but it is. And I just thought those were so amazing. It was really one of the highlights of visiting the whole rainforest. Yeah,
1: nature's pretty cool. not going
0: (laughs) to lie. The next area we visited was Ruby Beach. And this was also a fairly short drive from Allen's Bar.
1: Really short. Like five, ten minutes tops. And we headed over there uh, after work. So late afternoon into the early evening. And um, I knew what I was going to. I knew what to expect. But you don't fully grasp just how awesome it is. Yeah. Until you see it and you're down there with it.
0: This is sort of a tide pool area where as the tide comes out, it leaves a pool behind and there's sort of marine wildlife in that. But you have to sort of hike downhill and then we had to do a decent amount of climbing over driftwood. Like when I say driftwood, I mean drift trees yeah. to, to really get to access the beach much, but it, and it's a rocky beach. It's not something with the, like a lot of sand that you're going to like play in the sand and stuff, but it is uh, just full of uh, giant rock formations and uh, it's facing directly towards the sunset. And, Uh, It it just has this sort of stunning, stereotypical Pacific Northwest feel to it.
1: It's a photographer's haven.
0: Yeah, there was actually like a photography sort of tour out there when we were there. They clearly had come for sunset sunset wasn't spectacular because it was all it was pure <laughs> fog sure. um, but there was some beauty in that in itself
1: absolutely and kids will love this mm-hmm. you know our kids loved this i would say that this was probably the highlight of the week for the kids they had a when they first got down onto the beach there was a destination often the distance that they set their sights on and then they had a goal that they had to only use driftwood to get over this uh, almost what looked like kind of a a fort kind of area that people had built.
0: Yeah, a lot of people sort of take the driftwood and kind of build things out of it on the beach here. It's sort of a common thing that they do.
1: Yeah, and the kids had a goal that they had to get over to that only stepping on the driftwood that was laying on the ground, and they did it. They did it. Yes, it took did. their whole time. It was <laughs> so much fun to see them do this. They had a blast. We had a blast. It's gorgeous. I, I do wish we had been able to go back to see a sunset, but that's just goals for the next time we're in yeah, the area. It's you know? a little
0: weird to like, you're at a beach, but it's cold, but it's still beautiful. So yeah. like you have to really think about what you're wearing for something like that. Oh, yeah. Layers, to, yeah. layers,
1: layers is the name of the game yeah. when you are in the Pacific Northwest layers.
0: So the next area we visited was called Sol Duck, S O L space D U C. And this is an area known for its waterfalls and hot springs. And we actually sort of moved and went and camped over in the campgrounds at Soul Duck. So there are uh, I guess it's technically two campgrounds but three loops. Of it. So there's a full hookup area that we probably would not recommend <laughs> it is sort is of it
1: full hookups or just water electric uh,
0: it might just be water electric but it's a lot I think it's just water electric I think you're right but it's just a lot where everybody pulls in and you back in yeah. and I don't know how some of the big fifth wheels get in there
1: I don't know well, I know how they get in I don't know how they get out to be honest well it's, it's, no i don't know no, how they I get like, in either you turn around
0: it's very weird it's it's, v- it's, it's, it's a challenge it's um, just
1: like a just a whole bunch of rigs just parked on either a side and, for I, not even 60 bucks 60 bucks a circle or something like, like that you know three quarters of a rectangle yeah, or
0: something but we stayed in the actual campground loops and so these were traditional campsites they're all fairly small. Jamie and Clay's RV is 30 foot. their uh-huh. Airstream. That's probably about as big as I would try to make happen in here. Yeah.
1: And they were over in loop A and I'm not so sure that anything over in loop B where we were would fit. And it was their- first come
0: first serve. So you- yes,
1: well you can. So this is a little tricky. So it's concessionaire slash national park nobody really knows who's running what. (laughs) And the concessionaire, you can... This particular website, or this particular campground, you can only book, I believe, up to 48 hours in advance. Mm -hmm. And then after the 48 hours... It's only first-come, first-served. So, uh, by the time... And check me on that, because I, I might be wrong. But there is a length of time... I think that's it. And that, yeah. uh,
0: that's probably because there's no internet on site. And there's no real easy availability yeah. to do that. But they've got, like, a board where you can see which sites are open and stuff. And there were a decent amount of sites open when we, when we arrived. But we made sure to get there at early <laughs> enough to be able to choose a site.
1: But we got the only site... That our twenty-five foot,
0: yeah, ibex would fit into. The last Uh, one,
1: everything else was very. It's definitely tent friendly, van friendly. Not very level. Nothing's very level at all. There are some very beautiful, uh, larger sites. Actually, maybe that one that was next to us that had the van in it. Yeah. That probably could have fit a bigger rig. But the problem is it is sometimes it's not the sites. We've talked about this before. Sometimes it's not the sites. It's the road. It's the road yeah. in the campground to get to the here. sites. And I- there are big old trees everywhere blocking any mm-hmm. sort of real ability to swing in and get in.
0: I wouldn't take... Uh, a fifth wheel back here. Uh, The the height is another issue of, you know, clearance of branches and stuff like that. And I mean,
1: our site was super cool and it felt, man, it's just that national park vibe. And I love that vibe. I love being in a national park campground. And our site was so unlevel. And we, we had even gone up on some blocks and we were still, really tilted.
0: Yeah, and our our, <laughs> our jack was on a stack of blocks, yeah, it was and bad. it was still, the, the jack was extended as far as it could go yeah. on a stack of blocks.
1: And we were like, whatever, it's just one night, because yeah. we were only there for one night. We were actually there, we left Alan's bar and went there for one night, because it was Clay's birthday, and that is what uh, Clay really wanted to do for his birthday, and so... We said, yeah, this sounds like so much fun, because one of the main draws outside of the waterfalls that Jason mentioned earlier is also the hot springs. And so we wanted to do the hot springs. There is a fee to do the hot springs. It's concessionaire run. They have a lodge that's down there with the restaurant. And then there's the hot springs. And so you get your tickets, and it's uh, timed entries. There's an It's 90 minutes. They only allow so many people in at a time. You get to go in, there's three different temperature pools. Uh, one that is very kid friendly, that's just body temp. And then the two others are very, very hot. And then they have just a regular pool.
0: It's a very large pool with like 10 foot deep. Uh, it's really nice pool, actually. Very cold. But again, very you, cold that you, pool. Which is. might be nice in the summer. But again, yes. you, you only get a certain amount of time in here because the amount of people that want to do it. And they also, after every sort of two hour chunk of time, they fill the pools up. And skim the top of them off and then they go in and they do a lot of sanitation stuff between the groups that go in, which I think is really cool as well. We also ate at the restaurant mm-hmm. here and the restaurant was actually really good.
1: Yeah, we had breakfast. Yeah. Actually, we had dinner that we got to go and took back to the rig because we had done one of the evening uh, hot springs. And then the next morning you and I walked back over because there is a trail that will connect the campgrounds to the lodge uh, so that you can easily access. We went back over the next morning because we kind of thought maybe we were going to do the hot springs in the morning. And then we were like, "Mm,
0: we're going to sleep in. We're going to sleep in (laughs) in and know what we're going to do
1: instead, which I talked about in this week's road signs newsletter is we're going to have brunch because we love brunch. So uh, we did that, and then we loaded up. And then this is, if you are a Mile Marker Plus member, you're probably going, and then this is where they had the dump station story. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we did. So (laughs) we went on and we moved on from there. And I have to say soldak i think that one night experience is perfect
0: yeah there are other things to do there that we mm-hmm. didn't do like there go see the waterfalls yes, and absolutely. lots of trails to do uh, and we didn't do any of that we really were just there for camping in the campground which was great and for visiting the hot springs
1: but we could have easily gotten up that next morning and gone and done a waterfall hike. yeah absolutely yeah. and still we just should've. have <laughs> what are you talking about we had to go to brunch um, we, we del- took the
0: trail between the campground we and the lodge. We yes. took a
1: trail. We yes. walked like a mile and a half. It was actually the- a yeah. nice little
0: trail it between was, the campground and the lodge. It
1: was a yeah. lovely yeah. walk. We had a great time. Yeah. So, But you could easily make a night of it. And you could go to the hot springs in the evening, get up in the morning and do the waterfall. And head on out the next day and continue on the path towards Other destinations within Olympic National Park, which is exactly what we did. We made our way towards Port Angeles, which we are going to talk about on another episode of the show.
0: All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to check the level of our tanks.
1: We will be right back. Have you heard of Park Wolf? It's a game changing iPhone app for exploring U.S. national parks. Park Wolf's Wildlife Finder makes finding any wildlife species super easy. Park Wolf gives you heat maps and charts of the best places and times in the park to find any species. Park Wolf's free drive GPS Explorer makes exploring the park a breeze by showing upcoming places in the park as you drive, along with distances to the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover points. You can download Park Wolf for iPhone from the App Store today and start making the most of your national park visit. All right, welcome back. Now, before we dive in, we want to talk really quick about the upcoming RV Miles homecoming event because tickets are now officially on sale to the general public and we have already halfway sold this event. So we anticipate the event to sell out. We would really like to make sure that you can be there, but I wanted to just talk. So last week we talked a little bit about Amana itself. I wanted to talk uh, about another event that we're going to be doing while we're there October 4th through 8th. And Jason, why don't you talk to us a little bit about going to a Renaissance Fair. Can you tell the people... I've never
0: been to one. I don't know. What do you think...
1: Okay, so then I'm going to ask you, what do you think happens at a Renaissance Fair? Because I've actually been in a Ren Fair.
0: This doesn't I, surprise me at all. Well, because I, what I was going to say is we are friends with lots of theater people, uh-huh, given our background. Uh-huh. And every summer, lots of our theater people friends are sharing photos on Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. of them at Ren Fairs doing their thing.
1: But they're they're not working. Let's let's be clear Some of, them,
0: some of them are, and some of them are just there to be in costume and.
1: Most of them just want to yes, be in costume and, yes. and walk around. But and, some, and, I, I know lots of, them.
0: I know lots of people that get paid to perform at Ren Fairs. Yes,
1: and there's varying levels of renfairs, Fairs, uh, Ren Fairs uh, or festivals. I, Whatever. Yeah, there's you can call it renfairs or you can call it a renfair. Who knows? Um, I would like to clarify that when I did mine because I, I feel like mine was there's all there's tears as uh-huh. well to the the standard yeah. of the fair. I would like to just say that mine was attached to an outdoor Shakespeare production mm-hmm. of The Tempest mm-hmm. and I wore the most fabulous oh my gosh that costume was Isn't queen Shakespeare in attire
0: the wrong time period
1: Probably but okay. people don't care. No <laughs>
0: Fourteenth century yes. to the seventeenth yes. is is thank Renaissance. Thank you,
1: thank you, Google. That's a long Thanks.
0: That's a long time. Look,
1: three hundred years of being Renaissanceian. No, that's okay? four hundred years. Four hundred.
0: The Renaissance but is four hundred years. Come took,
1: on, it took four hundred years for us to fully Renaissance ourselves. Okay. Can we get back to my outfit? for Yeah, a minute, yeah. Please? I don't it think anybody was needs to know. Big old bell sleeves, <laughs> and it cinched you in in the back, and it would way Four hundred so pounds. Why it was am I amazing. the
0: one that's excited about this and you're not?
1: Uh, because I was like seventeen. You've been when there and done I it. Been there, and done that. Anyway, it,
0: it, this is going to be a part of the the event. You don't have to participate if you don't no, want to. But
1: listen, you also can come in costume. Is that's totally fine. It's up to you. You know, if you want to pull a whole Shakespeare in Love thing, you go for it. How many people do you think just went? Well. Not going to that. <laughs> How many people are like, What's the refund policy?
0: Uh, again I on think this? you're more than welcome to go do a wine tasting in town or have some brunch at a brewery, something like that. Well if we're you don't doing wanna. that too. But I like, mean, but But folks for if me. they don't wanna go to the Renfair, they can go do that instead.
1: But they want to see you dressed like a wizard. I'm
0: not dressing like anything.
1: Oh, you are going... You're going to have on a shirt that says this is my Renfair costume, aren't you? For,
0: yeah, that, that sounds perfect. Okay, <laughs> can right, we check the level of our tanks? Yes,
1: we are. But before we check the level of our tanks, we do want to say that this segment is sponsored by our friend Matt's RV Reviews, liquefied RV tank treatment, the no BS RV toilet chemical that really works. You can check it out over in our Amazon store at Amazon.com. Slash shop slash RV Miles, Jason. What is in your Renaissance flared black? It's tank? not
0: Renaissance anything, but uh, <laughs> this is actually was was shared with us in the RV Miles Facebook group again. Uh, Iowa, the state of Iowa, uh, they have great state parks in the state of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Great state park campgrounds. And one of the cool things about Iowa too is that it's a, you know, I eighty goes straight across. It's so lots of people driving through there. It's very heavily trafficked across a I eighty corridor.
1: I know it well. And, yes.
0: And and the rest areas used to have dump stations.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
0: the state of Iowa has gone and filled them all with concrete.
1: Shame on you, state of Iowa.
0: So and Iowa says it's because of.
1: That is not Midwest hospitality. But first of all, they said off.
0: they said, "Well, we checked with other states; not too many states offer it, so we thought we didn't need to." Okay, who did <laughs> you? Th-
1: you're like, "Hi, like- hi, uh, Ohio. This is Iowa. Just wondering, what is the what's the situation with your dump tanks there?" It's like
0: if you're a restaurant and you're like, "Well, we checked with the other local restaurants, and uh, not too many of them sell in- steaks, yeah. so we don't sell yeah. steaks." It-
1: everyone's everyone's doing sweet potato fries now, so. <laughs> We're not gonna be doing those russets. <laughs> but
0: they also said that there there was too much illegal dumping happening. And I'm thinking, well it's a dump station. I mean, I guess are they talking like commercial like like the local porta potty companies coming out and dumping there? I could understand that, but you know, find those people. And right. and My also pen- like okay, so now that illegal dumping is going to go somewhere that is not a drain, right? So people are gonna go do illegal dump? Because we're not talking about RVs. It was legal for RVs to use. Mm-hmm. So who is doing this illegal dumping and and what will they do with it now?
1: It's just not cool. That's that not makes cool, sense. Iowa. That doesn't make any sense. And you know what? Other states, don't pay attention to Iowa. That's ridiculous. Please keep your dump stations open if you have them available at your rest areas. Yeah. They are a wonderful resource for your travelers. And people will thank you and remember your awesome state and come back.
0: We drove we we went by one in was it Oregon or Washington? The one that was at that rest area that had the line. <gasps>
1: Oh, that was in Washington. It yeah. was up
0: in Washington right before Memorial Day, right?
1: Right after. Right. It was on Memorial Day. It
0: was on Memorial Day. That's right. There was a line at that dump station. It was a two-sided dump station. I'm not kidding. There were at least 20 RVs.
1: Yeah, it was when we left Bainbridge. Yeah. Yeah. So that was wild. So people will use them. They will use them responsibly. Why do a couple bad apples have to ruin the entire tree? Yeah. Isn't that how the saying goes?
0: (laughs) No, that's not.
1: (laughs) All right, what's in your fresh tank this week?
0: Uh, My fresh tank is Keystone RV. They have built a temperature test chamber so that they can pull their RVs into them and test them down to, I think, negative 10 degrees or maybe even beyond that and actually do temperature ratings on their RVs. You might be like, wait, uh, so don't others do that? No, they're the first ones. No. There, there is, I guess, I think Truma, um, which is a company that manufactures uh, like water heaters and air conditioners and stuff. I think they have a temperature test chamber uh, that, that the manufacturers could sort of book time in. They could, you know, pay them to use or whatever. But uh, it, only if they use Truma products. But now Keystone has their own and Keystone can do actual temperature test testing on their unit. So when you see this unit is four season rated, which is a meaningless term.
1: That's like short distance.
0: (laughs) Maybe now we will be able to see at least from Keystone and maybe some other brands will follow. Okay. With the heat running, at what temperature do the water lines in this unit freeze Mm -hmm. up?
1: Very cool. Good yeah. job, Keystone. Good job. Welcome to the 21st century.
0: <laughs> hey, they got their first, so <laughs> no, they you did. Know. They win. <laughs> All right, Abigail. What is in your black tank?
1: Uh, my black tank goes to the whoever or whatever threw a cupcake at Fordo. Okay? Somebody threw
0: a cupcake somebody at threw, our truck,
1: y'all. Somebody threw a cupcake at the truck. I don't know. We think it happened. Um, we just discovered it yesterday. We think it happened the day before at the city park campground that we were at. We had the truck parked over in the overflow parking, which was over by a big pavilion or a birthday party that was going on. And we think that maybe someone was just being silly or whatever and decided to throw their chocolate cupcake photo. What
0: Florida. a waste of a chocolate cupcake.
1: I, f- I mean, Seriously.
0: And okay. Canadians have been very, very nice overall. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: and even this but, was like, I mean,
0: I mean is they there such thrown a thing as a, ni-
1: nice vandalism? <laughs> I mean, I guess this is about as polite as it gets. Um, but what cracks me up is that we drove this truck for probably mm, 24-ish, 48 hours. Yeah. Before we even noticed, there was—that's how many bugs are on this thing right now. Like that's—it didn't even register. And then you come out of Canadian Tire and you're walking back to the rig because that's where we overnighted uh, the following day. And you're like, "Someone threw a cupcake at the truck!" And we were just blown away because there was no cupcake remnants on the ground there yeah, in the parking it, lot. So it, it we didn't knew it had there. to have yeah. been. Yeah. And we were like, Before. did it happen?"
0: I I kind of wondered if it was, yeah, while we were driving.
1: Yeah, we were like, did someone like see us coming and just perfectly timed? Like, are they standing on the side of the road? And how did we miss that? Yeah.
0: But then Clay remembered that there was that birthday party.
1: Yeah, Jamie remembered, and then Clay remembered as well that, oh, there was that birthday party. And then we were like, oh. Yeah, Yeah. that makes more sense than someone standing on the side of the road just lobbing cupcakes at people. Yeah. So, But hey, don't throw a cupcake at my truck, okay? I'm still paying this thing off. I need to hold on to its resale value.
0: All right. What's in your fresh tank this week?
1: My fresh tank goes to Canadian Tire, but at the same time, Canadian Tire, I don't know what you are. (laughs) So Canadian Tire is a store.
0: It's a chain of stores in Canada, obviously.
1: That um,
0: sells sells tires. tires. But that's a very small part. But
1: that is such a small part. And they sell outdoor stuff. They sell kitchen. Ho- I mean, you could go buy an espresso machine there. Uh, you can it's, also. It's- they also own Party City. So, like, there's this teeny tiny. This one we were in had like two aisles of Party City stuff, and you can like have balloons blown up there as well.
0: It's to me. It was kind of like if you took a Walmart and you you just you just took the sporting goods. Section, no, no, the no. automotive section.
1: It is like, it is like a souped up Dollar Tree, souped up hundred percent, souped mm. up Dollar Tree because with it's a Dollar Tree with an automotive center added to it. You got the helium balloons, you yeah. got the housewares, you got the rando. But just they've like, better
0: quality stuff, food than Dollar yeah. Tree.
1: Well, it's. A, Yes, it's a souped-up Dollar Tree. It's like a Dollar Tree with like like one hundred percent inflation. Yeah,
0: yeah. and it is. There was some some sales in there, but a lot of expensive stuff in there. And I don't know if that's because we're remote or what. Maybe,
1: but like the walking into the Canadian Tire, and there's not a piece of the floor that is not covered with something
0: tight aisles. That's like Dollar Tree. Yeah, when you walk
1: into our Family Dollar, or you know any of those, it's just stuff is everywhere. Yeah. And you're like, "I what is going on? There's toy section, there's pool, there's To me it reminded hiking. me
0: actually a lot of a Tractor Supply store without some of the farm stuff and yeah. with more sort of like more like if you replace
1: the farm stuff with the automotive stuff.
0: Well, well if Tractor Supply has automotive. It, okay. It's like if you It's like but Tractor
1: if, Supply doesn't sell tires
0: they sell trailer tires, but it, it, but it's like if you took a tractor supply and you souped up the outdoor section, because yeah. they have like Listen, a garden center and everything. It's... Anyway, the other cool thing though, that they do have, they, a, they allow, they allowed us to overnight yeah, there. They, that's super uh, rad. They, B, overnight. they have a dump station water Waterfill. I
1: know. Yeah. I mean, it's so they, they're not Iowa. Okay. Yeah. So they want you to use their dump station. They want you to come to Canadian tire. Um, and the, oh, they have a home and garden like outside yeah, too. So yeah. There's this whole home and garden section. Yeah.
0: sporting goods, toys. It
1: is just it. It's a. It's like a lot, and the name. I I want to research this name. Like, why do you call yeah. yourselves Canadian Tire? Well, because, I imagine it
0: started as a tire dealership. Yeah,
1: and then um. what? It moved to home goods. And then from there, they were like, we need at least 17 aisles of mosquito well, they've repellent. Well, they clearly
0: bought up a bunch of brands, too. Because yes. they own, like, Helly Hansen and right. and stuff. So, But then yeah. we
1: can't forget the kids. So we do need at least three aisles with Peppa Pig, Grogu, and Nerf guns. <laughs> that was like it. That was like, That's all kids want these days. It's very interesting when you come to Canada... Please go, go into one, visit them. Certainly if you can overnight there on your travels, do so. Um, they were so nice and accommodating. Um, but I can't, it's, it, to me, it's like a souped up Dollar Tree, with an automotive center.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm not getting that analogy, but that's okay. Uh, That's fine. You don't have to. (laughs) It's my own. (laughs) I don't get your tractor supply, but that's fine. That's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. (laughs) Yes, it is.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. And just as a reminder, we are going to detour this episode for Mile Marker Plus members. So if you want to hear us dive into a little bit more of what we talked about, then you want to become a Mile Marker member and you can do so at rvmiles.com slash mile markers. All right. That is it. Thank you so much for joining us. Please stay safe. Keep the mosquitoes at bay if you can, and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.